0: Welcome to episode 18 of The Foreign American, Becoming Better Global Citizens, where we talk about topics designed to help us think outside the bubble of the U.S. and enter into conversations with the rest of the world. I'm attempting to break free of the cocoon that keeps me from knowing, loving, and listening to our global neighbors. My name is Scott Besnecker. And for the past 30 years, I've been helping to lead students into beautiful and into broken places in the U.S. and around the world. And I'm glad to have Bishop David Zak with me from Uganda um, to talk a bit about American foreign policy, which we experience from the U.S. end, but most of the world experiences it from another end. Are there are there positives to the American government and our foreign policy in Uganda or in Africa that we can begin with?
1: I think to point out, uh, I have always found um, joy, uh, delight uh, to read uh, what are the stated American values, the values that shape public power, governance. The commitment to the rule of law, uh, the commitment to the upholding uh, of uh, um, rights uh, of people, whoever they are, wherever they are, uh, the commitment to promoting, encouraging democracy, which means uh, that people are able to determine how and who governs them. Uh, the rule of the people. Uh, So all these are really important values uh, that I think are are very, very significant. Uh, The the idea that people ought to choose who and how they are governed uh, is very critical. The idea that uh, human dignity, freedom, liberty of all, of all, of all. uh, So those stated values I think are very, very powerful and are worthy of anybody's attention. There is no doubt that uh, uh, there are certain, and sometimes I'm not too sure whether the good works of America are necessarily informed by those values. I'm not sure. However, we can talk about the good works that are evident uh, without necessarily making a statement as to whether they are connected with those values. Certainly in Uganda, uh, and I know uh, across the continent and certainly globally, Uh, particularly through the uh, United States uh, International Aid, uh, USAID, Uh, lots of amazingly important work. I can certainly say that if the United States closed its tap uh, on support towards the uh, fight against HIV and AIDS over the whole period, the last uh, 20 plus years, uh, Uganda would be uh, decimated in, in ways that I can't describe to you. So I think it's not unfair to say, I mean, I know this for a fact, that uh, uh, about 80% of the public health budget uh, of Uganda uh, is actually contribution from the American citizens. So I think it's important to say to the citizens of this country, the Americans, that yes, you are paying for health care in Uganda. It's not just—it's not the government. It's the citizens of this country. It's your taxes, Scott, that are helping keep many people alive through ARVs, uh, the whole prevention strategies, and and on and on. So, certainly, the whole area of uh, of healthcare that has been very very significant. Also, uh, agricultural development. I I am aware that through USAID again, there has been a significant investment. Uh, in agricultural development, agricultural implements, training, uh, the whole range of the agricultural uh, value chain. So very significant, I think, in, uh, in in that way.
0: That's helpful to hear. You know, we live in a giant cocoon so often here in the U.S. Much of our news is reported through an American lens, which I suppose most countries do that to a certain degree but I feel like because of the space our country takes up on the international scale, I often miss the on the ground impact of American interests abroad and our government's policies. And you see that from a, from a different side of the ocean. How does American foreign policy impact you, Bishop, in Uganda?
1: so i think that there is a whole uh, range of areas Uh, the last time i checked um, uganda is the number one uh, defense partner of the united states in sub-saharan africa in other words uganda receives the largest uh, 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 amount of uh, money from the american people in terms of defense And part of that, I know it's the work that uh, the fact that Uganda has put boots uh, on the ground uh, in Somalia. And and I think there is absolutely no question, this whole question of the fight of the fight uh, uh, against terrorism. um, Not a doubt, therefore, that uh, the American people contribute significantly to the defense uh, budget of the country of Uganda also. Uh, the American people have contributed to supporting democratic processes and what I say about Uganda uh, by the way can be replicated in a number of countries. The deeper question however is the whole area of governance and how that intersects with American interests particularly the whole area of the war uh, on terror. Today (laughs) in Uganda we have a dictatorship a military dictatorship. We have uh, a president who has been in power for the last, uh has now entered his fourth decade. What is often very surprising to me is when the current regime in Uganda, led by uh, General Yuri Museveni, blatantly abuses people's rights. Uh, the more immediate uh, story that I can tell is the massacre of over 150 innocent civilians, innocent people, who were guarding the palace of a traditional king in the western part of Uganda called Kasese. Uh, There is no denial that uh, government directed troops to surround this palace and to bomb and kill children, women, and those that uh, government says were planning a rebellion the general who commanded that operation was immediately promoted and i could go on
0: and you say the u.s government supports your ruler and does not oppose or decry these uh, outrageous human rights abuses
1: and yet the defense support by America to Uganda has continued. The flouting of electoral rules and procedures and processes, the lack of accountability by the Museven regime uh, is public news. And yet, the defense support, uh, the uh, continued contributing to buying of guns by our government uh, continues. There's no doubt in my mind that, therefore, in the prioritization by the US government, vis-a-vis the rights of Ugandans to enjoy processes of governance that are free and fair, that are are, are legitimate, the procedures are well followed, the rights of Ugandans to freedom of expression, freedom of assembly, uh, freedom of association, the values that America claims These values are trumped by certain interests that uh, the American government holds by continuing to support a regime that uh, continues to rape uh, the rights uh, of its own people. I think it should be in the interest of brothers and sisters in America to ask the question, how come? I am arguing that as brothers and sisters in Christ, a brother suffers anywhere it should be in your interest. It should be in my interest. But here is the second point. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we care about every human being for every human being is created in the image of God. So even though there were no brothers and sisters in Uganda, it would be in the interests of brothers and sisters in this country to say, there are people for whom Christ died, for there are people who bear the image of God. And your tax, your the tax dollars of your people of americans it's your responsibility to ask the question and this kind of information which is in public domain uh, becomes a basis for you as citizens of america to ask of your government to account to you for the way in which they are using the tax dollars what they are doing immediately as i have indicated to you in uganda but this is a story that is true historically, and by the way, this is not the first time there is a history to this, how political interests of maintaining American hegemony, or whatever else it is you to decide as American people, trump the very basic values that America has proclaimed for all humanity, for the whole world. So
0: are you suggesting, Bishop, that America's interest in Ugandan soldiers fighting in Somalia is causing us to turn a blind eye to electoral abuses in your country and the government's use of those very arms that we're supplying to oppress its own people?
1: Well stated. I don't think I could add any more. So when I say we've had a dictatorship, a military dictatorship and the evidence of its abuse and the raping of the people's rights, uh, the killing and maiming of people, we are talking about actual deaths, uh, not only the death of opportunities. So it should be in the interests of the American people who support Who pay money, whose taxes are being spent in Uganda on how this is the case. That's number one. So the American people have that responsibility that is a citizen responsibility because you pay tax. However, there is a group of Americans who are believers, who trust Jesus, who say uh, this is God's world, these are God's people. So even more so, Americans who pay tax, but Americans who say Jesus is Lord, Jesus is our savior, he cares about the whole world. That Therefore, the imperative, the the it, it behoves upon the believer in America, especially the believer in America, to be able to ask those questions because there are people for whom Christ died. There are human beings who are suffering all this because of what America is doing.
0: So, primarily, the the responsibility of those of us who follow Jesus is to ensure that the ways that we're engaging the world uh, are not damaging. And you believe that that pressure on the American government to speak up against the current military regime, to maybe even cut off supply or aid in order to pressure them to be better stewards, you know, is, is a good idea. But strictly even from a financial stewardship point of view, quite apart from any ethics the money is being very poorly spent and you ought to be wise about how, how leaky the money is that you're sending to us. And just from an economic standpoint, it's a really dumb investment if you're not closing up the, the corruption.
1: Absolutely. But the point is this, you are American citizens, you pay tax, it's your responsibility. It's also your right to hold your government accountable how your tax dollars are being spent and as Jesus people it is in your interest I hope it should be that you are able to say how can it be that the taxes we pay are making it difficult for the people of God God's creatures God's creation people, human beings in Uganda, elsewhere in, I can speak about Uganda, but have conversations with friends from Asia, conversations with friends from Latin America. Uh, So there is a stewardship responsibility for being the most uh, powerful nation in the world. Uh, This is a responsibility. It's not about conquering the world. It's about making the world a better place. Uh, There is a responsibility that American Christians, uh, and let me not use Christians because Christians now doesn't seem to mean very much followers of Jesus, people who say they live their lives based on the gospel story. Jesus, uh, he dictates uh, how they understand their location in the world. On an economic business sense, absolutely. When you are pouring money into a regime that simply squanders, steals. So, the accountability, therefore, that we demand is that it's you, our brothers and sisters here, who hold your government accountable on how and what they are doing in other countries. And I can say this certainly for Uganda. Therefore, it's to engage with actively the House of Representatives, engage with the Senate, engage with the Appropriations Committee, engage with the Department of Defense, Pentagon, and ask these deep questions and and demand for accountability. And some of the implications I hope will be you can no longer justify putting money to a regime that kills its own people, that squanders resources, not only of its own people, but also squanders resources of the American people.
0: I suppose we could ask that question of most governments in the world. I mean, there there's no perfect government, but you're suggesting that uh, in this particular case, it's egregious. That is... Most of the world has governments acting poorly, and we can't completely extricate ourselves from this world and the ways that we're connected and supporting one another. But there are certain places where the, a line gets crossed, and you must withdraw support
1: I think the for the American people, for the for America, the United States of America, it's even more because uh, America has declared itself the policeman of the world. That's a responsibility. The war on terror is not located uh, on the shores uh, of the Atlantic, doesn't stop there. Uh, Uganda is engaged in Somalia, uh, supported by America uh, and the European Union and other Western nations. America has declared itself to have a specific role in the world, and that is true because America is the biggest economy you know in the world america is a superpower military, military. so that means there is a stewardship and that the citizens of america therefore must demand ought to demand accountability of those who wield public power state power in america on how that power is being executed exercised uh, globally so it's not just about any country because america is not any country I think to interrogate very specifically the impact on this whole notion uh, paradigm, the war on terror, uh, is important. And what that really means for the lives of people uh, in Somalia, in Kenya, in Uganda, in the locations. I have friends from Sri Lanka in Asia, friends South Asia, East Asia, have friends in Latin America. They all have a similar cry uh, that this, these interests, seem to trump the very values America has proclaimed uh, to uphold and to uh, seek to enforce globally.
0: Now, I would also hear my perhaps more conservative friends say, well, that's the very reason we pulled out of the Iran nuclear deal. We're punishing Iran with these sanctions in order to shake up that government and get them to stop abusing human rights.
1: I think a general point I could make is how often the way in which America uses its muscle could be better advised. Uh, You know about Saudi Arabia and uh, the unbelievable uh, killing of people in Yemen. I could go on. I think that's that's a separate story and I think could be discussed. And You raise a very good question and I think it's in the interest of Christians in this country to ask those questions um syria and so on so there is definitely an issue with what america does or does not do uh, in the middle east what america has done uh, uh, in the middle east historically what america and its relationship with israel uh, and so on and so forth and palestine so i think that it's it it, it ought to be in the interest of Intervasta christian fellowship and i'm very grateful that you're asking the students uh in the universities Uh, Christians in the different churches, pastors, to ask the question, the impact of these. And I think, therefore, to be much more scientific, because we can't make a blanket statement about the whole world. What I'm suggesting to you uh, is very specific to Uganda, and I've given you the numbers and the implications. Uh, As you and I know, the scriptures teach, uh, Jesus said, empires rise, empires fall. This is the time of this empire. It will not always be historically. Uh, But it's a stewardship responsibility of uh, those who live in empire uh, not to uh, be captured by the excessive use and abuse of the dominance and power of empire.
0: If if I'm listening between the lines, uh, Bishop, I feel like you're saying America's policy as it regards the war on terror is very inconsistent and selective, that we would um, damn one government and support another when we have a fairly spotty record or policy as it regards War on Terror.
1: Well stated. And one of the different ways in which this can be done, uh, uh, Scott, I mean, I speak as uh, only one voice, one perspective. Uh, I imagine one of the other ways in which such can be done is imagine if as InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, uh, you begin briefings uh, because you have the blessing, we have the blessing of being connected. Uh, You have relationships in these different countries uh, where you hear these cries about the impact of what America does. Imagine if you began a process in which you are having briefing sessions in which you hear these voices, and that informs the research, the study, the work that you do with the institutions of the state here to demand accountability uh, and to demand action, to demand consistency, you know, absolutely. This is, this is, this is our duty together. Uh, so I'm grateful that you give me the opportunity to say this as one from the other side. Uh, hopefully informs the processes uh, on this side. And um, I mean, I'm happy for us if there are any issues you want us to engage with you uh, in terms of what we do that impacts uh, how Americans hear. Uh, So this is very, very necessary. So yes, absolutely, I I am very, very clear that there is a way in which the, the promotion of American interests, which I think trumps all other considerations and the wisdom that comes with it is something that as Americans need, especially Jesus followers, gospel people. If, if you, American Christians, hold your government accountable, if you, American Christians, if you, university, if, if you do it here, uh, it gives us greater, uh, 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 it contributes, it contributes uh, to our own uh, struggle for justice. Uh, in our own different lands
0: Uh, is it okay for nations to act in their own interests
1: I think that's a good question it's not only I don't think that the question is is it okay I think the fact is they do (laughs) Uh, you pay taxes to the American government you don't pay taxes to Uganda so uh, that's why elections happen you know to determine however global uh, uh, institutions that uh, referee Uh, so that uh, interests of one don't completely uh, you know so there is a united nations is therefore very useful Uh, in in Africa we have the African Union you have uh, uh, the world trade organization so these these organizations these uh, global institutions are necessary uh, to be able to curb the excesses of interests of one against the other and to actually act as an habitat where there are conflicts. So yes, states uh, act in their own interests because they have uh, citizens. Now, I would hope that as uh, Jesus followers, we work towards uh, a, 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 a world, an order of the world, in which what matters most are not just interests of one state, one country, but it's the interest of the flourishing of creation, the flourishing of humanity. Uh, because this is God's world. God does not uh, have just America or Africa or Asia. God, we have only one earth. We have only one earth to live on. And I therefore think that um, more so ourselves, you and I, uh, could find ways in which we hold our different governments in the way they pursue their interests in order to care for the good of all.
0: How would you address, now you're, you're a bishop in the Anglican Communion, How would you address someone who says, uh, Jesus wasn't political. Uh, Jesus calls us to invite people to religious reform, to individual conversion, maybe to some extent to a few social issues, but he doesn't call us to engage politically, give unto Caesar what Caesar's, the poor you'll always have with you. Jesus was not a political figure. How How do you address that?
1: I would I would encourage that person for us to read the scriptures together. Uh, I think that's a gross misunderstanding of uh, Jesus, uh, the impact of what he he did, does, continues to do. Let's begin with a very simple one: the cross. The cross was a political tool. The cross was uh, uh, not, uh, <laughs> you know, it's 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 uh, it's it's an instrument by an empire it's part of empire that means that jesus died a political death he was sentenced by uh, a political uh, process through a political process he was a threat to the political establishment that means that what he taught and did had political uh, uh, implications and it's that's why he was killed uh, because he represented a threat so the gospel by its nature is political why because poverty is political injustice is political it is policies it's legislation it is public institutions the processes of legislation political leadership is about creating culture hopefully hopefully what god intended is for the common good so the gospel is political jesus political. Why? Because food is very political. The wars of the world are on food. They are on water. They are on land. And uh, this is this is gospel stuff. Water, land, food uh, is gospel stuff. The prayer that we pray, the Lord's, we call it the Lord's Prayer. I call it the family prayer. Allowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth you know, here on earth, this planet. Uh, That's the prayer Jesus taught us. Language of the kingdom is political language. It's about rule. It's about exercise of power. It's about exercise of public power. And then the prayer continues, give us this day our daily bread. Uh, How many people in the world are denied of daily bread because there are so many people in the world that is political what happens what you put on the table uh, so uh, my brother uh, the gospel of jesus uh, our story is political because it matters about how people live so
0: should we should we build a christian nation should do you want uganda to become a christian nation should america become a christian nation you know founded on christian ideology and principles is that what we're is that what we're after as believers
1: well, for you Americans, you want to ask the question, is America a Christian country? Let's begin there. Because there is, I call it a lie myself, there is a, a, a notion I have had being here that America is a Christian country built on Christian values. The founding fathers were driven by and on and on and on. So I, uh, I think that it's, this is a, a conversation that uh, American people must engage in of all walks of life. So what you ask is not a theoretical question. It's a real question, because it's a, it's a question that America must ask. Uh, in Uganda, we have no pretense. We don't say we are a Christian country. There are some who would think that because you have a majority who go to church, therefore you're a Christian country. Here is my view that Christianity is a religion. It's a public way of life. There are other religions, uh, Islam, uh, Hinduism, there are other religions. As people whose lives are shaped by the story of Jesus, the question we must ask, what is there in the gospel of Christ that becomes a basis for commending practices, legal, legislative processes that we can commend to others who may not believe in Jesus that work for the good of all? Because there is a benefit, even for those who do not believe, by the principles the gospel story the jesus story why because the jesus story is not just about individuals being saved it's not just about churches being built it's about the flourishing of all creation the flourishing of all humanity because there is not a single person the scriptures teach don't they? Not one, not anything was made that he did not do, you know. There's nothing made, there's nothing here that has its own origin other than from the universal Christ, the universal Christ. Uh, So uh, Jesus doesn't doesn't belong to Christians, you know. Jesus belongs to all, even those who do not believe, uh, you know, uh, uh, he came for. So we have the responsibility, therefore, to think of a world in which uh, everybody can flourish everybody has the opportunity to enjoy what they have the right to we who follow jesus even the other who may not be a believer in jesus has a right to flourish and we can create a place in which we live together because this is god's world this is god's earth and he created everyone so i think it's to find in the sources of the gospel not for creating a christian country but creating a country in which people whoever they are, wherever they are, can be able to flourish, can be able to find place in a way in which they can enjoy that for which they have a right to as citizens, as inhabitants of this planet.
0: Maybe the better uh, analogy is ambassadors of a different kind of kingdom while in a kingdom that may or may not be uh, ascribing uh, the Christian faith.
1: I think it's both and uh, we are in Christ in the world we are to bear witness we are to live out that story of Christ in the world and that story is captured in God is love love neighbor what does loving neighbor? who is this neighbor is the story is there absolutely uh, Jesus says the neighbor is um, the person you who hates you Jesus says love your enemies you know uh, that means the Christian must create space in which that one who hates him has a place to live. Um, yeah. Jesus says, I love your neighbor. And the illustration in the gospel uh, is the Samaritan uh, who is claimed to be the neighbor. That means, and the Samaritans, as you know, and the Jews had nothing in common. They hated each other. Uh, the way I put it is, Jesus says, love the one who, who hates you. But Jesus also says, love the one who you would rather hate. In other words, the one you would rather hate, create a situation in which they have food, they have water, they have clothing. It's translating all that into public policy. Jesus elsewhere says, love the one who when you love them, there is no benefit. Uh, Matthew chapter 25, the poor, the lonely, the the homeless. Create countries in which nobody is excluded. No one is on the margins, you know, where there are no more slums, where are no, no more ghettos, that's the world that a believer imagines and works for because he's passionate, because he lives in Christ uh, in this world. So I hesitate to use language of ambassadors, I hesitate to use language of mission, because I think that that language has dislocated, has distorted how we understand who we are in the world. I prefer to say we are in Christ in the world, and ours is to bear witness to that truth, that reality. And that means we will be faithful citizens in our countries because we live in Christ. We seek the benefit, we seek the blessing of all.
0: Yeah, I think one interesting aspect of that parable where Jesus is holding up the Samaritan as the example to the lawyer of what it looks like to love your neighbor, is that Jesus had uh, theological issues with the Samaritans he He um, told the woman at the well, you know, you guys believe this about worship that's wrong here's the reality, and so in a sense, Jesus is holding up the the Muslim or the Mormon as the if you want to know what it looks like to love your neighbor, let me tell you about this Muslim person, the theological The theologically aberrant person, the person who differs from Jesus theologically, is the very one he uses as an example of the fulfillment of love your neighbor.
1: Uh, Absolutely. Uh, Love neighbor is one of the most revolutionary, most political, (laughs) most powerful uh, 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 statements. And, And those of us who are in Christ are supposed to provide the example of love that goes beyond uh these uh secondary identities i said to my friends uh one of the tragedies of america one of the tragedies of america is to justify race is to suggest that there are white people black people um you know i was saying to my friends actually if you if you look closely there are no white people there are no black people Uh, uh the last time i checked i'm looking at your face scott i don't think you're white because i think i know what white looks like You know, so we can't even say that white is a pigmentation of the skin. I mean, if you look at me, I'm not. I'm brown. I'm not. So blackness and whiteness is a social construct that is intended to create hierarchies of being human. The basic thing God desires of us is to flourish as human beings, as human beings. God so loved the world. God loves human beings, not white people, black people, yellow people. No, human beings. So these social constructs are completely undermined by the gospel, God's love. And it's us believers who live by that story, who ought to image, who ought to embody, who ought to reflect this. You know, it's very difficult to be a faithful citizen with other citizens if you think you have a mission to other citizens. The mission we have if we must talk about a mission at all is a world in which everyone can thrive can live can flourish and that's the gospel story
0: well bishop zach appreciate you taking some time out while you're here in the states to talk a bit about how you experience american foreign policy on the other side of the ocean in order to help us think more thoughtfully and deeply about maybe how our voice can help bring better shape to our own foreign policy. So I appreciate your time and your thoughts.
1: Thank you very much, Scott, for your time. God bless you.